Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. I'm reading from the, the New International Version. So if you want to follow on the screen, you can. The Bible says this. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. And then Jesus warned them sternly. He said, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region anyway. I don't know about you, but I feel like even if God told me not to tell people about what he's done for me, I don't think I could obey that command. I think that is the one command where I'm like, I feel you, G. I hear you, but I just can't obey that. I have to tell people about how good God has been to me. I don't know if there's anybody in this room like me. You just refuse to keep your mouth shut about what God has done for you. Is anybody grateful for what God has done in your life? I'm grateful. So I can't I can't be quiet about it. I got to talk about it. Even if he says don't, I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're just so good. <laughs> so I, I, I want to I talk to you today from this idea of offended at favor. Offended at favor. And, and by the end of this, I, I think, I hope it'll make sense. At least I would have hoped somebody would have told me before now that it didn't make no sense at all. Like, go to your next message, bro. And then everybody's like, You're preaching another one tonight. I'm like, I didn't know I had two sermons. Like, I've been. <laughs> preaching the same one for five years. But anyhow, <laughs> okay, so th there are just some things we've got to see. So the Bible says this right here off the bat. I get stuck right here at the beginning of this, of this story when the Bible says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him. Like, okay, so you got it. Thanks for the laugh. I appreciate that. That's like a courtesy laugh, but... <laughs> I, I thought at least the people in the previous services would laugh, but they were still looking like, that's still not funny. It's been two services and it's still not funny. But, but watch, two blind men followed him. I, I, I don't know if you read the Bible like I do, but sometimes I read the Bible and I just, I just get stuck and I'm like, hold up, wait a second. Two blind men followed him. Like, are we not going to talk about this for a second? Like how this happened, how this was possible, what they were doing to follow him. And, and then I felt like heaven screamed back to me. So what's your problem? And I think heaven's saying that to us. If two blind men could follow Jesus, then what are, what are we complaining about? And I began to just really just search my heart and God began to deal with me about this thought of offended favor. But this idea of when you follow Jesus, You've got to get rid of the misconceptions of what it means to follow Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus really clearly defines that following him is going to be difficult. Following him is going to be an unusual experience. Following him is going to be something that we weren't necessarily prepared for when we signed up for it. Because he said this, he said, listen, if anybody wants to come after me and follow me, he must deny himself. And he must take up his cross and follow after me. So there are some things that we have to learn about following Jesus or we'll misunderstand what it means to follow Jesus and we'll get discouraged and want to give up. But if we know what it looks like to follow Jesus, then we can, we can, we can, we can chase him down. Now watch this. The, the, these two blind guys are following Jesus. This is an indicator to me that one of the first things I've got to learn if I'm going to follow Jesus, I have to learn how to follow him when everything isn't working in my life. 
Oh man, I feel like preaching in third service. I got to learn to follow Jesus when everything isn't working in my life. I'm starting to understand this more and more as the years pass. Now I'm 40. I turned 40 this year. And, and, and when I got off the plane last night from Atlanta to Las Vegas, I got off that plane and my back was sore and my legs weren't working right. And I'm like stretching in the jetway, just trying to prepare myself for the walk out out to the car because I'm like I could pull a muscle right now like I'm in that stage of life where I could literally shut my whole body down from brushing my teeth like I could just turn too quick and the whole left side of my body just shut down and so like I'm in this stage of life where I'm just like I, I am I am tired of focusing on what I don't have and what isn't working and I want to give God praise for the stuff that is working in my life I just want to thank him today that there's breath in my lungs I just want to thank him today that he woke me up this morning I just want to thank him today that I'm here in this room with you guys today. There are so many places I could be. I could be in a hospital bed. I, I could be crying at the bedside of one of my, but I'm here in God's house in this moment. And God, I'm thankful that what I have is working. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been like this, but you wake up some mornings, and you're just like, thank God the left leg is just working good today. Like, thank God the left ear is, I'm hearing good out of the left ear. Thank God my right eye isn't twitching today. Have you ever just had an eye just go crazy, berserk on you and just start twitching, you can't shut it down? I, I'm just thankful, God, for the things that are working in my life. And I refuse to keep what isn't working. I refuse to allow it to keep me from what is working and what God wants to do in my life. I will not focus on the bad things that are happening to me. I know they're there and I know they're very real, but I have to put my attention to the things that are working in my life. Is there anybody in this room just grateful that God is so good that even when stuff isn't working, he still leaves some things working like these guys. They hadn't they hadn't seen for a long time, but their mouths worked. Isn't that a crazy thing? That even though they could have complained about how their eyes weren't working, they didn't. They used, they used their mouths to follow Jesus. The, obviously, they're having to communicate with people. Like, like somebody uh, uh, signals or, or somebody's touching them or they're using their hand to, to, to feel their way to and through the crowd to, to make sure they keep up with Jesus. And, and, they're, and they're using their hearing to make sure they're staying within a, a, a good distance to Jesus so they don't lose track of him. They're using what is working to follow after Jesus. You have to use what you have. It reminds me of the story of Bartimaeus. It's a story of a blind man. His name is Bartimaeus. And the Bible says that he had heard that Jesus was coming into town. And when he heard it, he just began to cry out loud. He didn't know how far Jesus was away. He didn't know where he was in the town. He just heard Jesus was coming to town. And he said, I might as well use what works. I can't see him to get to him, but I will open up my mouth and I will cry out to him and maybe he will hear me. Now watch this. When he starts to cry out, all of the people that were around Jesus start to tell him to be quiet and leave Jesus alone. That's an indicator that you're getting closer to Jesus than you've ever been before. Can I tell you that? When people tell you to be quiet, that's just an indicator that you're closer to Jesus than you've ever been before. What does he do? He doesn't allow people who didn't create him to tell him why he exists. And so he opens up his mouth even louder and cries out again. And the Bible says that in that moment, Jesus stood still. Sometimes Jesus is just waiting to see if you will push past the hater and push past the crowd and push past the doubters just so that you can get to him. So I got to use what isn't 
what, what, what is working because I, I could spend all my time focusing on all of the stuff that isn't working in my life and I got some stuff that isn't working in my life. Like I got a sink at home that like, I need a plumber, <laughs> bad. And I'm not, like uh, my, my, my <laughs> I'm not. Like I, I think my pants fit like a plumber sometimes but I've never, I've never fixed any sink in my life. <laughs> The other day, the other day, I felt like a hero. I was changing light bulbs in the house. Do you ever change some light bulbs and you just feel like, bro, I just killed that. I just killed. Like, you're like going in the house. You're like, hey, just go to your room. Turn that light on and you're like, but they're like, dad, it's not that big of a deal. You're so terrible at this stuff. So I've got to learn how to follow when everything isn't working. Also, I've got to learn how to follow through the pain of rejection, through the pain of rejection. Watch this. So Jesus uh, is, is going and they're following. And then all of a sudden, this story takes kind of a, a simple turn. And if you, if you don't really focus in on it, you'll kind of miss it. The Bible says in the New King James Version, it says Jesus goes into a house. The NIV says he goes inside. And, and literally, to me, this is so offensive because here are these guys, they're crying out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus literally ignores them and walks into somebody else's house. Have you ever felt like Jesus was walking into everybody's house but yours? Like he was helping everybody out but you? Have you ever been like in church and like, I'm around all these people and their life is blessed and they're getting jobs and things are happening for them? What is going on in my life? And I can't imagine how they felt calling out. And then all of a sudden they're like, where'd he go? And they're like, he went into somebody else's house. He just, he just walked into somebody's house. They're like, are you serious? Yeah, he just walked into somebody's house. And, and I can see they're at a crossroads like, I know he's had to hurt, hear us because we're, with, we're within an earshot. But why does it seem like he's ignoring us? Why does it seem like he's ignoring us and going to somebody else's house when we're out here crying out for help? I don't know if, if you've ever felt like in, in your life the pain of rejection. Now, there is a rejection from people that is very real. But, but I'm learning something as, as far as just serving God uh, that has really helped me in my life. I'm learning that when people reject me, it's actually a good thing for me. When people reject me, see, see one of the things I used to get all afraid and, and hurt about is I would be looking on somebody's Instagram story and see a party going on and be like, I know all these people. <laughs> like, I didn't get a call. I didn't get a text message. I didn't get an email. <laughs> Nobody sent me anything. Like, how in the world are they having a party without me? We're all, we're all supposed to be together. Have you felt uninvited? Have you felt like people didn't want you around? See, sometimes when you come to Christ, relationships change and people start to see you differently and people can't receive you the way they used to receive you. And so you have to get really comfortable with rejection from people because I'm telling you, people aren't rejecting you because of you. They're actually rejecting you because of Christ in you. Something in you is now offensive to them and they can't handle it anymore. And so what I've learned is that rejection from people is actually God pointing his finger to another door that he has for my life. Because I found this out, that if they closed it, that means God didn't open it. Because Isaiah tells me that if God opens a door, no man can shut it. And if God shuts a door, no man can open it. So thank you for every closed door. Thank you for every rejection. Thank you for every time you didn't invite me. You thought you 
you were leaving me out, God was keeping me out. Your rejection was my protection. Oh, man. So, so that's very real, but you got to get used to it. I love that Jesus, there's a story in Luke chapter 9, the Bible says that Jesus was getting ready to go into this town, Samaria, and they sent word ahead, hey, we're coming, and I'm, Jesus is like, I'm coming, I'm bringing my disciples, and, and uh, we'd like to stay there. <laughs> the Bible says, well, they sent word back to Jesus and the disciples and said, hey, there's no room for you here. Well, the disciples get so offended that <laughs> they're like, Jesus, hey, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and kill everybody in town? <laughs> Like, how whacked, how whacked out do you have to be to, like, they didn't send you an invite to the wedding. You're like, Jesus, can we just burn them all up? And can we do it preferably at the wedding while right before they? Like, what are we talking about? Jesus is like, you guys don't even know what's wrong with you. You guys are out of your mind. Jesus is literally like, no, it's, it's not a big deal. See, your reaction to a closed door reveals what you believe about your future. Because if you think just because somebody closed the door on you that that's the end of you, then you don't believe that God has a real future for you. See, what I believe is every time somebody closes a door, that's just an indicator that God's got another open door somewhere. There's somewhere down the line, somebody is going to say yes. Somewhere down the line, somebody is going to say welcome on in. Somewhere down the line, somebody's going to give me the job. Somewhere down the line, somebody's going to say yes to Mary and me. You know what I'm talking about? Like somewhere down the line, every time they reject you, it was God protecting you. I don't know if, you, if, you, if you're at a point in your life where you've seen some, 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 some of the things that God has done and you've been like on the other side of it and now you're grateful and you're like, you look at that person that you asked to marry you and they said no and now you you look back and you're like, thank you, Jesus. You just want to sing that country song. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. There's like a, y'all don't know country out here, do you? Like, I just, I just got really weird. Because <laughs> I wanted to sing that so bad, but I was like, they might not like my voice. But I'm such a good singer. I just don't want to overwhelm you and make Jabin feel bad for his singing abilities. <laughs> But man, have you ever done that? Like, look back and like, God, thank you. You are so good. That rejection was actually protection. Now, there's something else that's very real. It's this feeling, not that people are rejecting you, but that God is. I might be alone in this. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever felt like I felt in this, that God is isn't listening to me, like, doesn't really care, is not invested in my situation, like, have you ever asked and you haven't received? You know how the Bible says, asking you shall receive, seeking you will find, knocking. Have you ever asked and not received? Have you ever sought and not find? Have you ever knocked and nobody came to the door? <laughs> and I'm like, God, what in the world are you doing in these, these seasons of my life? Because I'm like, I, I want to believe that you hear me, but it really feels like you're ignoring me. It really feels like I'm crying out for help and you just walked into somebody else's house. This is what God is doing when it feels like he's rejecting you. He's not actually rejecting you. He's actually calling you closer. He's actually inviting you into deeper levels of relationship. Because God does not just want to give you stuff. He wants to give you himself. 
And so anytime you feel like God isn't listening to your prayers or answering your prayers or doing what you asked him to do, which is pretty much all the time, right? <laughs> Have you, I mean, it's rare that you pray and you, and you get exactly what you prayed for. If there's anything that I can predict about God is that he is predictably unpredictable. Like I'm not questioning his, his immutability or like his consistency or his constancy. He, he changes not, that's not what I'm talking about. He never changes, but his methods do. Have you noticed this about God? Like the one thing I can tell you is whatever you have planned, he's probably going to just like blow it up. He's probably just going to like destroy your plans and interrupt your plans and laugh at your plans. Like even the Bible says many are the plans of man, but the Lord's will is the thing that will be established. I'm just, I just came to announce to you today that you have to get very comfortable with with the idea that God is not ignoring you. He's actually calling you closer. There was a woman in the, in the, book, in the Bible, and the, there's a book, Matthew chapter 15, and the Bible tells us about this woman. She came to Jesus and she goes, Jesus, my daughter needs to be healed. She's suffering greatly. And the Bible says that Jesus ignored her. I'm like, what? That's, that is, I just got the nastiest email a couple weeks ago because I, I went to shake hands with this person and this person asked me like right after a service, like, hey, can I have 20 minutes of your time? Can we go somewhere private and talk? And I was like, I got another service to do. Uh, they were mad at me because I, I, I wasn't available enough. What's funny is like when you're a pastor, sometimes you want to, you want to, you don't want to be that guy that just like shows up on the stage and does his thing and then like goes behind the scenes and like never talks to people. But then when you make yourself available, you're just, you get in trouble because you weren't available enough. You know what I mean? Like I could have avoided that if I was just gone to the office, but like, it's like counseling right now. I'm trying to just like help me. <laughs> so they were so mad at me because I wasn't available. I can't imagine ignoring a person, the kind of emails I would get. Jesus just completely ignores her, the Bible says. It doesn't say he didn't hear her, because that would have been understandable. It says he ignores her. Now, how many of us would have gotten offended and walked away from our miracle because it, it seemed like he didn't care? Well, the Bible says that she presses in just a little bit further. So instead of running in offense, she pushes in a little bit closer. She gets on her hands and on her knees and she says, Jesus, my daughter needs to be healed. Now Jesus goes even further and he insults her. He says, listen, man, I'm sorry, but it, it's not for me to give bread to dogs. What you're asking for is the children's bread. It's not for you. It's not for you right now. In other words, what Jesus is saying is she was, she was not a Jewish person. He was saying that your time hasn't come yet. This isn't your season. This isn't your hour. And she says, hey, uh, excuse me, but even dogs get the crumbs from the, from the, <laughs> from the, from the table of, of the master sometimes. And Jesus looks at her and says, I cannot believe this kind of faith exists in the earth. What happened? She received a miracle. Jesus told her, he said, from the moment you believed like you believed, it was done. It was done. I didn't even have to declare it done. You made it happen because you pressed in and you refused to get offended. 
How many of us would have walked away at him ignoring us? How many of us would have walked away in what seemed like an insult because we were offended at Jesus because he didn't do it when I asked him to do it and come through when I asked him to come through and do it how I asked him to do it and answer it when I told him to answer it. And Jesus says, man, if you will just press through past the silence, if you will get past your offense and you will press in to me, you will realize that I can bring something into your life that wasn't even yours in the current moment in your life. Like what she got was something that was reserved for her after the cross. She actually, because of her faith, reached into the future and pulled into her present a miracle. I'm just telling you this morning that you can be so resilient in your faith. You can be so persistent in your faith that you can pull something into your now season that was reserved for another season. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy this morning. Can we give God praise that faith actually works it works man <laughs> so I gotta I gotta learn how to press through this pain of what feels like rejection it's gonna feel that way sometimes <laughs> watch this now Jesus goes in into the room uh, into the house and they they like this woman in Matthew 15 they refuse to get offended so they're like okay if Jesus went into the house and Jesus has what we need Let's just go into that house. <laughs> I love it because like they didn't wait for an invitation. They didn't wait for somebody to say, hey, I see you've been following Jesus. Hey, come on in. We've got we got some food for you. Everything's ready for you. Jesus is actually in there waiting for you. No, they didn't wait for any invitation. And I love this because it says something to all of us that whatever room Jesus goes into. He gives me access to. If he is in that room, then I belong in that room. There is no VIP access in the kingdom of God. Every door that Jesus walks through, it's available to you. Have you ever been to a concert and had VIP access? It's incredible. Like a couple weeks ago, my daughter was, uh, she was going to see Mosaic music. And she just loves mosaic music. And I just wanted it, I wanted it to be special for her. So I called some friends because like, I don't know anybody in mosaic music, but I know some people that know some people that know some people, you know what I'm talking about? So I'm like pulling strings like, hey man, can you give them a call? So the next thing you know, they call me and they're like, what's your daughter's phone number? We want to contact her. So I gave them my daughter's phone number and Chloe calls me later that night and she's like crying. She's like, dad, you won't even believe what happened. They gave me this badge and it let me get into every single door in the whole arena. Like nothing was closed off to me. I was even at Target with Mosaic Music. What in the world is happening? Like, I, I went, we went to Starbucks together. I was like behind the stage. I was going into all, I was going into the green room. They were giving me food. I was hanging out with Sadie Robertson, you know, the Duck Dynasty girl. They were on tour together. And she's like, it was, it was amazing, Dad. Thank you so much for giving me that access. I was totally cool, Dad, that day. Like, I was, it was like so good. I was like, yes, I killed Dadhood that day. You know what I'm saying? And so... So she's so pumped. And it made me think like, like when it comes to the kingdom of God, there are no doors that are, that are off limits to us. Matter of fact, Jesus told Peter, he said, he said, I'm going to give you some keys. 
And these are the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying, there is not a room in this earth that I don't have a key to. There is not a heart on this planet that I don't have a key to. There is not a situation in, in your life that I don't have access to. I'm just thankful today that whatever room Jesus goes in, if it's healing, if it's deliverance, if it's my family being turned around, if it's my brother or sister coming back to God, if it's a loved one I know being healed, Jesus has already been in that room and he has given me access to that room. I'm so thankful for that. Woo! I'm thankful for that. So they didn't ask. They just went in. I'm just, I'm just going in. Jesus, Jesus is in there. That's my, that's my people. I'm going in. Watch this. We have to allow ourselves to learn how to, how to endure the testing of our faith. So we have to learn how to follow when everything isn't working. Learn how to, man, that's, this is a difficult one. Learn how to deal with the pain. It's genuine. It's real of what feels like rejection. And we have to learn how to endure the testing of our faith. Watch this. James chapter 1 and verse 3 says something so profound. James says, it's the testing of your faith that produces patience. Some translations say endurance or perseverance. It's the testing of your faith. God tests our faith. He's testing our faith. And he's not just testing our faith in this, hey, can you believe me for big things? But he's actually testing our faith for something more significant. He's asking you, can you not just believe me for big things, but can you believe me for a long time? So God tests our faith with time. He comes to Abraham when he's 75, when it already shouldn't happen. He says, hey, you're going to have a kid. Abraham's like, wow, that's great. Thank you for the promise. (laughs) You have to do something about my wife. She, oh. (laughs) 15 years later, (laughs) 15 years later, still hasn't happened. Still hasn't happened. And he's about to give up. God comes to him again, renews the promise. And he says, God, thank you for that. I'm in, I'm in again. Another 10 years. The promise was made when he was 75. He's hundred years old. Now the baby's come. And one of the first things God does when this boy comes into the earth is he looks at Abraham and he says, I want him back. What you waited for 25 years to get, now give it back. What did Abraham do? He said, absolutely. He willingly was going to give his son and offer him as a sacrifice back to God. Why? If God would have given him Isaac at 75 and asked for Isaac at 75, he wouldn't have been able to do it. But because he had developed a history with God, he let his history speak to his destiny. See, do you want to know why the enemy always talks about your past? Because he didn't know anything about your future. So what I do when the enemy comes into my life and tries to say crazy stuff, I let my history speak to my destiny. You don't know, you don't know anything about me. You don't know who I can be. 
you don't know what he's called me to. You might know what he's called me from, but you don't know who he's called me to and where he's called me to. So I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let my history declare my destiny. I'm going to let my history with God speak to my destiny. You know, isn't it, isn't it an amazing thing? Not only is our faith tested with time, but it's tested with trouble. Doesn't it even seem like favor and trouble go hand in hand? It's almost as if you can't have one without the other. When I was growing up, Pentecostal preachers used to say this all the time, favor ain't fair. And people would be like, come on, preach it. And I love that thought, but the, the reality of that statement is, is a different tone. Favor ain't fair. Because favor is connected to trouble. Joseph, here's a coat. It's beautiful. It tells you you're my favorite. Thanks, dad. Betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused of rape, thrown into prison. Who would have known that favor was going to lead to a false rape allegation? Who, who would have said yes to favor if you knew favor was going to lead to prison? Who would have said yes to favor if I knew favor was going to lead to betrayal? Because favor and trouble go hand in hand. And, and, and what happens to us and the reason we get discouraged is because when God picks us, it seems like God is picking on us. And we, we look at it and we're like, God, why, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? Why is this happening to me? And we feel like God is picking on us. But the truth is, is he has picked us. He has favored us. His hand is on our life. It's on our life in the prison. It's on our life in the courtroom. It's on our life when things are going right. It's on our life when things are going well. It's on our life when we're falling on our knees. It's, it's, it's on our life when we're not doing everything we should do right. It's always on our life. Favor and trouble go hand and hand and I am committed to getting through the trouble because on the other side of trouble is elevation on the other side of trouble is my prosperity on the other side of trouble is everything I've been waiting for and I will not let somebody come along in the middle of my trouble and make me give up I've been through too much to quit now I've walked through too much to walk out now I've given too much to give up now won't do it. Will you stand with me today? So Jesus says, do you believe I can do this? Well, obviously, Jesus, we believe that. We, we followed you this far. No, he has to ask them this question because we all get to this point in our life where we are, we are desperate, but we are not full of faith. And desperation and faith are not the same thing. Desperation will make you cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Faith will walk into the room and get the miracle that God has for me. Some of you are like, I'm not a big faith, but like I don't have a whole lot of faith. I think you, I think you under, underestimate yourself. I think the reason you're here this morning is because you are not just desperate, but you are full of faith. There are a lot of desperate people sitting on the couch right now. People with faith got up this morning, put some clothes on, and came to the house of God and walked through the door. 
And Jesus is asking you on the other side of this door, do you think I can do this? The Bible says that he prayed for him. Their sight was restored. What that means is that they lost what they once had and he is giving it back to them. You, you don't restore something that somebody didn't have before. So when they lost their sight, it was due to illness or injury. Either they got sick and lost their sight or they got injured and lost their sight. And the same thing happens to us. Illness and injury causes us to lose. Sometimes it's our sight. Sometimes it's our energy. Sometimes it's our purpose. It's our focus. And we lose. And God is asking us this question. Do you believe I can do this? I love it because Jesus didn't put a label on what he was going to do. He didn't say, do you believe I can heal you? Do you believe I can open your eyes? He said, do you believe I can do this? Why does Jesus do that? Because in the next verse, he says, let it be unto you according to your faith. In other words, I'm going to do what you have the faith to believe I can do. In other words, God is saying, here's the blank check. Let your faith write it. For some of you, it's not that your faith hasn't been working. It's just that your faith hasn't been writing big enough checks. And you have stopped believing God for big things for a long time because of disappointment, illness, injury, that marriage that didn't work, that relationship that failed, that job that fell through, that kid that went astray, that loss of a family member, that healing that that didn't happen. And, And you're blind and you're injured or you're ill. And Jesus is saying, do you believe in the area where you've been losing the most that I can make you win again? If there's anybody in this room today that believes he can make you win again, will you throw your hands up in the air and say, Jesus, I believe you can do this. I don't know where you stop believing, but again, would you believe? Again, would you put your confidence in him again would you walk into that room and trust him with that area of your life again maybe you say I'll never love again Jesus is saying I want to heal I want to restore I want to give back to you everything that the enemy has taken from you I literally want to force your enemy to walk into your house and hand you the thing that he took from you in better condition than when he took it I want to restore your life Jesus we believe you can do it God, we believe that you can do even this. No matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how long, you can do it. Put our confidence in you. Put our trust in you. Our hope is in you. We have no plan B today. We're in this room. We've come looking for Jesus. We didn't come looking for anybody else. We didn't come looking for Pastor Jabin. We didn't come looking for the worship team. Jesus, we came into this room today because we're looking for you. We believe you can do this. Come on, if you believe it, just put your hands together and bless him one more time in this place. God, we have confidence you can do this.